Ahoy, ladies, and welcome to I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. Uh, I am your captain, Eric Cormier, and today is a big day, uh, not only for the show, but for myself in general. Um, this is the first episode where we have a guest with us enjoying an episode of SpongeBob, and uh, he is probably one of the most important guests I can invite on that has nothing to do with the show SpongeBob SquarePants, even though he wishes he does. Um, behind the curtain years ago, before I got into podcasting or even really creating anything on the internet, uh, I had a friend come up to me one day and say, we should start a podcast, and uh, we started a podcast called The Bean Holes, and from that day forward, he has been a creative partner with almost everything I do on the internet, um, and I'm sure I am at least 1% of a help on the stuff he does on the internet, but um, he was also the first person I went up to with the idea of the SpongePod Squarecast uh, years ago, and um, has just been a driving force for almost everything I do. So I just wanted to introduce Nate Ferreira. Ahoy. Hey, that was a perfect... Where, where'd you get that idea? <laughs> uh, it's it's interesting how, how memories differ. Um, did I did I come to you and say, let's I'm, start a podcast? I'm, I, am, I am certain that the podcasting... I mean, we, we had been talking about things for a very long... I, we were yeah. talking about the types of things we talk about on the Bean Holes for a very long time. And you, I... I pretty sure it was your idea to start recording it, it may have been but i will i'll even back that up that the the if the thought did come from me it was because of you yeah because of talking with you and that we would have pretty entertaining conversations and at some point um like all good podcasts the the idea comes of why aren't we recording this and, yeah uh obviously a lot of that comes from other podcasters i listened to kevin smith uh among others who would just have like seven podcasts a week and was a huge uh, proponent of like, hey, everybody should make their own podcast. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, you and I started part podcasting um, years ago and have just continued moving forward. And uh, even though we've gone down different avenues, it's kind of, it always comes back to just you and I, a microphone, either in a car or at home or in a studio. Um, and it's always good content. Um, and that one time in the bathroom. That one time in the bathroom. Uh, and having you on this show is important to me because, um, as I've mentioned in the introduction, I not only would love to have fans of SpongeBob on the show, um, I would also like to have people who would not say they're a fan of SpongeBob. Not that you outright dislike or hate SpongeBob, but it is certainly not something you go out of your way to watch. I could take him and leave him. Yeah, so... Um, I, I think there are certain episodes coming down the road that I, I already know. This is an episode I want to sit down with you, watch, and get your input on. To, yeah. to maybe so that you can... And you already being someone on the internet know a lot of the memes and a lot of maybe the phrases that have come from the show because yeah. it is... SpongeBob itself is one of the backbones of the of the meme part of the internet. Yeah. And yeah, it has absolutely. been for years. I don't think any other single property has, has had its hand in creating more memes... Than SpongeBob, I, I I think I should I could say that as fact at this point. Um, sure. So the episode <laughs> I'm having you watch today is actually um, it's a little weird. It is a part of the first episode of SpongeBob SquarePants, but it technically is the third segment. Okay. Um, most episodes of SpongeBob have two 11 minute segments in it. 
in this first episode, they actually they did it once, and it never happened again until season five, where they actually had three. There were two kind of bookend episodes, and there was one in the middle called Reef Blower, which I already uh, reviewed in the previous episode, which is a quick, like, three-minute silent episode, kind of harking back to, like, old old silent cartoons. Mm-hmm. Not the style, but definitely in the idea of, like, this is just going to be visual comedy. Yeah. Um, so this episode is very important. It's called Tea at the Tree Dome, which is the introduction of one of the more um, important characters of the show, and definitely one of the characters you kind of... It's it's out of left field, but it's Sandy Cheeks, the squirrel, who lives her life underwater um, inside this massive structure known as the Tree Dome, which houses her her tree that that she actually lives in. She is a squirrel. Um, She is really the only big introduction, but the entire, the most of the episode does take place inside of that tree dome. And um, a lot of comedy comes out of that with sea creatures going into basically uh, a dry setting, if you will. So um, the writers of this episode are Peter Burns. And for the first time ever, Doug Lawrence, this was actually, which we did a whole month of SpongeBob on on the Bean Holes, so we've mentioned Doug Lawrence before. Um, other than voicing Plankton, was a massive writer and creative force behind SpongeBob up even till today. This was the first episode he worked on, um, and also Paul Tibbet, who was the man who took over from Steven Hillenburg after he left in two thousand four, became the showrunner. So. Um, some very early names that we have here. Um, and it's a weird thing. The animation director, there's... there's Steven Spielberg. No! Close, though. There's two. There's Tom Yasumi, and there's Edgar <laughs> uh, Larazabal. I, it's probably not pronounced like that. I mean, that's, La- that might be... Larazabal? The, the issue is, is that... Um, there are two different openings to this episode mm-hmm. where they're both there. One edition has Tom credited as the animation director. Another one has Edgar. Um, later reruns, like apparently it is Tom who is the animation director, but for some reason there's just a mix up. So depending on how you're watching this episode, you may get one name or the other uh, in the in the intro there. Um, and then also creative director is Derek Dryman, of course, who of I got to say, for somebody working a, on a show underwater, Dryman is hmm. one of the best last names to have. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, his last name could be Fish. It could be Derek Fish. Even if it's spelled differently, that would be more perfect. But um, I always liked that. So uh, what's going to happen now is we're going to take a bit of a pause in the recording and we are going to watch the episode Tea at the Tree Dome. 2000 years later. All right, welcome back. That was a uh, that was a quick ride there. Uh, we're actually going to be replaying the episode now visually so we can maybe point out some things we liked. So that was Tea at the Tree Dome, Nate. Um, definitely yeah. uh, this this whole first season was actually the only season where they um, maintained cell animation. So from I season I thought so. I, yeah. I, I I could tell that it was uh, there's the backgrounds are very static. A lot of um, uh, you know, a lot of uh, the characters just stopping and holding a pose for several frames, or even almost a full second at times. Yeah, season two onward, they went digital, and uh, so a lot of the uh, animation cells from season one are definitely high collector's items. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and as we had saw, that was actually a very early design of of the jellyfish. Yeah, you know, SpongeBob yeah. enjoys jellyfishing, which. 
Um, in in their oh, world, I just want to know how the hell did she get into a fight with a clam in the first place? I don't know. I don't know. The the clams for the rest of the series, the clams are shown to be more docile. Yes, um, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so that definitely was the most aggressive one I've seen. There is a future episode with an, an angry clam at a zoo, but somebody stole its baby, so it has a reason to be upset. Um, but yeah, jellyfishing in their world is essentially like... a. There's not fishing, there's no fishing rods, but they treat it as it's fishing, but it is more like bug catching. Yeah, or bu- butterfly catching. Right. Like, yep. um, and definitely jellyfish are... are, are more like bees, there where they where they do sting. It sure sounded like a bee. It had like a like a small toy airplane propeller sound uh, zooming around. Yeah, yeah. Which I don't know of anyone who catches who catches bees with a net like that. But that would be an interesting uh, interesting day uh, to try and do that. Um, so we're introduced to Sandy Cheeks, who um, first time appearing on the show, and also another thing about season one is it was the only season where her tail didn't appear on the outside of her, her suit. Mm. So for the rest of the series after the first season, her tail is, is on the outside, which um, I don't know if that's a good thing because of the wherever her tail is coming out of. It's another part where water could escape into her suit. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, visually it looks better with her tail out, but I don't know if, if for practical reasons... I think it's better inside. Yes, if if you are a squirrel in a spacesuit underwater, it's probably best to keep your tail Tuck in. Tuck your the tail suit. in. Um, Sandy is voiced by Carolyn Lawrence in one of her first really big roles. Uh, would I that think be Mrs. Lawrence? She would technically be Mrs. Lawrence. She may have only been hired because of her last name, but no, I don't think she is in relation to... Oh, then she's perhaps a Miss Lawrence. Miss Lawrence. I, I I don't think she is in relation to Doug Lawrence. Uh, honestly, I should look that up because I have never once thought about that. You were the first person to ever bring that up. Um, Get your stuff together, I, man. The relationships don't, don't mean anything. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this was by all accounts, this was her first real big gig as a as an actress. Yeah. Uh, I think as a, even just as a voice actress, she may have done some other work. Um, but I know that that Sandy was her first big role, uh, and it's what a show to to debut on and have that character because a, a lot of the other voice actors on the show have had other other roles aside from this. Um, but but way to way to start it off big. Um, she is shown to be the strongest creature in the sea thus far. Um, and I, I've always just assumed it has to do something where how Superman, when he comes to Earth, because of where he comes from and Earth's density in the red sun, he's just able to be... He's just more powerful than anyone else on Earth, like for regular humans. So I, I don't uh, know if... If you really think about it, like the gravity is not any weaker underwater and there's more resistance yeah um, so I, I would think she'd be less strong than creatures that are having to walk around through that water i think All- definitely picking things up underwater is certainly easier because of because yeah. of underwater right so, well because because of buoyancy right uh and but um yeah i don't know but um <laughs> Yeah, but she wasn't picking anything up. She was actually destroying a giant rock. Um, and and that whole 
part about her being um, incredibly strong is is shown off in, in future episodes. Uh, so they didn't really go deep on it here. Um, but yeah, one of the the comedy in this episode really comes in at this point um, in the episode when SpongeBob enters the tree dome because at this point he uh, in his life we're assuming he has never encountered air or dry he land. He sure didn't know what air what the even word was. Meant. And I, I mentioned to you when we were talking about SpongeBob uh, on on the bean holes that in early episodes Patrick was not perceived as dumb he was actually and in that moment was kind of the first time spongebob went to him for advice like patrick what is air he you know we know now later on he's just the probably the dumbest creature in the sea but at this point in the series i think they were just making him he certainly is still not very smart but at least spongebob may have been going to him for advice for a certain extent of time until i think they just dropped that I don't. I can't think of any other times in the first season where where he goes to him for advice like that. But uh, yeah. certainly starting out this early um, worked out pretty well. Um, there were a few animation mistakes, but before we get to those, uh, a mistake you pointed out very smartly is that um, later on in the episode when Sandy finds out they need water she says the line well if all you needed was water you should have just asked for it um he does (laughs) a lot of people don't catch that um that he he does ask for water yeah he definitely Um, did and you were like you you should have listened to him um (laughs) (laughs) among other things i i also i like how the when the uh cookies are ready the the bell that's dinging them is almost as if it's right off screen. Yeah. Even though it's... She has to go inside a house. Yeah. And um, they don't show her house a ton throughout the series, but you do get to see a little bit more of it. She lives definitely in the top of that tree. So it's not like she's at the bottom and the tree is just aesthetic. Like she definitely goes upstairs. Now I, um, in my mind prior to watching this, I, I knew she lived in a dome or a, essentially a terrarium um but in my mind it was not that much larger than spongebob's pineapple okay so you didn't but were you not thinking about all the extra land part like i figured it was grass? yeah i figured it was like a tree in a dome and like nothing else there's no room for anything other than the tree this is this is like this is like a park yeah, and it's weird. The bushes that are seen in parts here are not really down the road when they kind of solidify what it looks like. It's definitely just her tree, and they they've shown her wheel. She has like a, a wheel to to run on. Yeah. Um, and also, as you can see, there are a lot of other living creatures in that in that dome. At least here, from um, for you know, land creatures, you have butterflies and a bird, yeah. um, and that. That expands as the series goes on. Now, it doesn't like you just will constantly see something, and, and at least there is an episode where you get to see her pets, where she keeps a lot of uh, uh, pets from uh, on land. But yeah. to just have like there's just a bird living in here. I don't know just how. One bird. Yeah, one. I don't know how it's sustaining its life. Like, are there worms growing out of the grass and the ground for the bird to eat, or she, does she just have feed that she gets from? supply drops from the land i don't know it's questions 
You don't have to answer. Does, does she ever get a supply real. drop in the show? Or? Not that I know of. She does get visited by the creatures who, like, eventually there is an episode where you, you find out why she's there in the first place. But they don't, like, bring her supplies. As far as I know, you've never seen her mm. receive anything from from up above. Yeah. Um, she does name drop that she's from Texas very, uh, very subtly. Yeah. Um, making Texas tea, which I've heard is better than regular tea, but that's that's just what I've heard. To don't have Texas, any facts from it. <laughs> Texas tea is an expression that means oil. Gross. Like, she was making them oil. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, she clearly was making tea, but but Texas tea is 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 crude oil. <laughs> <laughs> they say it in the Beverly Hillbillies song. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, the the whole thing about being fancy, um, which I don't know where that comes from. I know that there are things like when you're sipping tea, you're supposed to lift your pinky up. There's something of being fancy about it. Uh, I don't know you where call, Patrick Patrick got that calls bit. him. Well, I mean, putting on airs is a is an expression. Wait, that's an actual expression. What is that from? Like, it's just an expression. Putting on airs is is like acting like you're better than you are or better than the people around you. That kind of thing. I honestly never knew that. Well, there you go. That's, I just thought it was something silly. This is no. why you're here. That is why I'm here. Uh, she was putting on airs. She was putting, and that's why he says. Yep. I love this talk. shot where it's in, like in just a just an actual photograph of. Of a kitchen sponge and a dried-out starfish on, on AstroTurf. AstroTurf, which more or less I imagine is what they're actually on. I can't think that they just put. I don't know. I mean, if she's if she wants something scrubbing her her carbon dioxide out so she can actually breathe some air, she probably should have some grass in addition to that tree. Yeah, um, and this is actually probably one of the only times that the that the tops of the of their helmets exist. Mm-hmm. Now they're. Obviously, for any story purposes, um, the the helmets do have that top part. But literally, for like ninety five percent of the series, it's just putting on a fishbowl on your head with with water, and they're able to survive. Um, I have an answer, by the way, for uh, whether Carolyn Lawrence is related to Doug Lawrence. You looked this up. You did. Well, Lawrence. I did look it up, and and it became pretty clear. And you might be embarrassed okay. by the answer. Is that his wife? Uh, no, not okay. at all. Doug Lawrence, Mr. Lawrence, his last name isn't Lawrence. Okay. His middle name is Lawrence. Yeah. So, did you not know that? I I never knew that, no. Oh, man! <laughs> Idiot! Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's Douglas Lawrence Osowski is his name, so... So no, she's she's and and there and, was, they're, and they're not related. So yeah, so. No, her Wikipedia page shows doesn't show any relation to any famous Lawrences, Matt Lawrence, Joey Lawrence. Uh, what's the what's the what's their little brother? Um, Jimmy Lawrence, Andrew, <laughs> Andrew Lawrence, or Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, the, none of them. The seem Lawrences to be should to. just still throw a party though, because yeah, they should have a Lawrence party. Yeah. You're only hosted by Mr. Osowski. <laughs> Osowski. What's going on here? Well, my middle name is Lawrence. Uh, and ask anyone I work with. They call me Mr. Lawrence. I have the Lawrence Welk uh, orchestra um, play. But yeah, how did how did you now, how did you feel about the episode? The one thing I like about the earlier episodes compared to newer ones is it's not as much in-your-face annoyance yes, of SpongeBob. Yeah, I, I, I've got to admit, I've... I've 
I've been turned off by SpongeBob in in uh, many things I've seen because he's so annoying. I can see why that like he would appeal to kids that in as that character, but um, you know I don't I don't throw on Blippy for my own personal enjoyment. Uh, so yeah, it's I, for I, your nephews. Yeah. Uh, so um, yeah, I uh, I I that was a much better in than a lot of the other things I've seen. Right. Um, right. Uh, enjoyable, some subtle humor, um, all, some shades of of what I liked about Ren and Stimpy, but toned down quite a bit. Yeah, and they and they definitely the um, certainly the up close shot of SpongeBob when he's trying to hype himself up of not needing the water and there's that really up close shot to his eyes where yeah. it's a lot gross. It's grosser than um, than what he actually looks like and that pretty much straight, like Ren and Stimpy really, that was one of their big uh, moments of their shows is when you would get like an up close shot of something yeah. and it would be really gross yeah. and, uh, and they kept that going up, up to a certain point but yeah, um, I definitely think the humor gets better up up through season three in the original run mm -hmm. with Steven Hillenberg as the showrunner. But these early episodes you can't really compare because they're they're early and you're doing more exposition of explaining the characters in the world and then when you get all that out of the way you can just you can just play comedy and enjoy yeah. yourself in the world. Um so yeah, I'm I'm glad I was able to to have a better in for you yeah. than just Yeah. What well, question though. Yeah. Um What's uh, what's Squidward's enemy? Squilliam. Squilliam. Fancy son. Fancy son. Okay. I just I remembered uh, Patrick just called SpongeBob Fancy Pants, and I was like, is that Squilliam's last name? <laughs> um, but... No. Yeah. Yeah. Squilliam will be a, uh, a character appearing in a future episode. One that I may have you watch. Yeah. All right, Nate, thank you for enjoying us. Thank you for being... <laughs> what? Thank you for joining us and enjoying SpongeBob. Well, and thank you for having me. You're welcome. Eric and Nate. Not this show. I don't think I have an outro. Well, most people don't. Good. Let's not have one. <laughs>